This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. The Stanley Cup playoffs have been rolling. It was a great weekend and a great Monday night of the Stanley Cup playoffs. We're in the second half of all of the first round series. We even have a team that has already punched their ticket to the second round of the playoffs for the fourth straight season. We'll get to everything about the playoffs in the second half of the show, but a lot of news coming out early on in this week that I want to get to early on in this show. Let's start on Long Island because this was probably the biggest surprise that I have had when it comes to head coaching firings or head coaching hirings in a long time. I don't think you could ask anybody except for potentially Lou Lamorello if you would have believed that Barry Trotz would have been fired by the New York Islanders. It came as a very big shock to me early Monday morning to see that news come across the wire. It came as a shock to everybody in the National Hockey League. Four seasons as the head coach of the New York Islanders for Barry Trotz. He, of course, got there back in the 2018-19 season immediately after winning the Stanley Cup with the Washington Capitals and then taking that Islanders team from a team that was aging, a team that hadn't had really any playoff success in the Stanley Cup, or sorry, in the salary cap era, another SC. He took that team then to two straight Stanley Cup semifinals in the 2020 bubble, and then once again last year in the 2021 Stanley Cup playoffs, he got the best out of his players. Like, If you looked at that roster on paper, they should have been nowhere near the Stanley Cup semifinals the last two years. Not only were they in those, they lost to the Tampa Bay Lightning, who won the Stanley Cup. And you can say, yeah, that's great and all, but what about this season? Well, this season they didn't make the playoffs. Understand that that is going to be a black mark on his resume. But look at what they faced. Not only have they played... More hockey than every other team except for the Tampa Bay Lightning in the last two years. They had an aging core that just continued to age. One of the oldest teams in the National Hockey League. They had to start their season with, I believe it was either 14 or 16 straight road games. Because UBS Arena at the Belmont Park was not going to be ready. So they had a 16-game, I believe that's what it was, road trip to start the season. Add on the fact that you have the aging core. Add on the fact that they dealt with COVID just as bad as anybody else in the National Hockey League. And then look at the fact that if this month, sorry, if this season was a month longer, he might have had the Islanders in the playoffs. The way that they turned their season around and played in February, March, and April... That had to have been something that not very many other coaches in the National Hockey League could do. Lou Lamorello came out and said, 
we just feel that the guys in the locker room need a different voice. We saw the same thing said when Paul Maurice quit in the middle of the season. Stepped down, I should say, from the Winnipeg Jets job. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to fire Barry Trotz, who is a former Jack Adams winner. He's a Stanley Cup champion, and he's gotten way more out of this New York Islanders team than anybody else has in just four years. I mean, in his second year, he got them the whole way to the Eastern Conference Finals. So I I just don't understand this move. I understand that, you know, you miss the playoffs. Sometimes changes need to be made. But Barry Trotz is probably one of the top five coaches in the National Hockey League and still is to this day. He's going to have, if he wants one, he's going to have a job by the time, honestly, he could probably get a job right now. I'm sure there's been offers already for Barry Trotz's services. When you look at the landing spots for the guy, I immediately went to the Philadelphia Flyers because I thought, what team has a head coaching vacancy or will have a head coaching vacancy that needs defense, that needs a defensive-minded coach because that is their biggest flaw. That is the biggest thing that needs changed, and he could certainly change it from day one. Philadelphia sprang to mind because they have a goaltender that has been on and off in his career so far in Carter Hart, but realistically, he also hasn't had much help on the defensive side. So maybe you get the best out of Carter Hart like you got the best out of, I don't know, say Thomas Grice when Trotz first got to the Islanders. You know, Semyon Varlamov, Ilya Sorokin. Now those guys are a little bit better, but they're on the same par as Carter Hart. So if you can get more defense in Philly, you could potentially unlock a better Carter Hart and, you know, things start to go in the right direction for Chuck Fletcher and the boys on Broad Street. But at the same exact time, I think there's a better fit. And it wasn't my thought. I got it from 32 Thoughts, the podcast. When they said it, I said, that makes so much more sense than the Philadelphia Flyers. And that's the Winnipeg Jets. I mentioned Paul Maurice stepped down in the middle of the season, said that the the Jets need a new voice because they're such a talented team. Their offense is unparalleled. They have a former Vezina Trophy goaltender. They have some decent pieces defensively. They just haven't been able to put it all together. Well, who is better at putting the pieces together than Barry Trotz? He would have way more talent in Winnipeg than he has had in any of his years with the New York Islanders, and he's taken them on playoff runs. I think it would be a scary, scary day if Barry Trotz ends up with the Winnipeg Jets, but those are the two that I would not be surprised. Those are the two that I believe are probably the front runners as of right now to lay in Barry Trotz. And again, That's if he even wants to continue coaching. He might want to take a year off because he still technically was under contract for another year, so he will be getting paid by the Islanders next season. So maybe he takes a year off. A lot of people in the National Hockey League, coaches, players, have said they're getting burnt out because the last couple of years. Maybe he needs that year off, but when he comes back, honestly, if these teams still need a head coach, they're the perfect fits for Barry Trotz as of right now. Earlier today, um, I'm recording this a little bit later in the day than I usually do, which is fortunate for me because it allowed me to then talk about this. The Vezina Trophy finalists for the best goaltender of the regular season have been announced by the National Hockey League. The three finalists are Igor Sesterkin of the New York Rangers, Jacob Markstrom of the Calgary Flames, and UC Soros of the Nashville Predators. 
I don't think there's really any controversy about who's going to win this one. Thankfully, though, it is a regular season war because Igor Shosturkin, as we'll get to in the second half of this show, not having a great initial and, and first Stanley Cup playoffs as the starting goaltender of the New York Rangers. But in the regular season, he was great. 36-13-4, a 2.07 goals allowed average, which led all NHL goaltenders, a 9.35 save percentage, which is ridiculous, and led all NHL goaltenders, and six shutouts, which was good for third in the National Hockey League. He was also third in my favorite goaltending statistic, goals saved above expected. He finished with 23.71 goals saved above average. That is a ridiculous stat to begin with. Third best in the National Hockey League, of course. He was up in the mid to high 30s at one point late in the season. But he had a bad stretch. He had about a bad month. And I think it was March. Then he, he came back around in April. But again, wasn't, wasn't enough to get back into first place. But still, nonetheless, if it wasn't for Igor Shosturkin, the Rangers certainly would not have finished in second place in the Metropolitan Division. They might not have even made the playoffs if they didn't have Shesterkin playing at the level that he did, specifically before the NHL trade deadline. Because after the deadline, they got guys like Andrew Kopp, they got guys like Frank Vetrano, Tyler Mott, and that really helped their forward core, and that really helped their entire team kick it into gear and, and get some scoring help and get some better defensive help, especially from the forward side of things for Igor Shesterkin. But at the beginning of the season, all the way up until the trade deadline, this was his team. I mean, it still is his team, but the Rangers went as Igor went and he went really, really well for the majority of the season. I think he's clear cut the Vezina Trophy winner of this year, not to take anything away from Markstrom or Soros. I mean, Markstrom led the league in shutouts uh, and he came in third in save percentage and goals allowed average with a 37-15-9 record. The Flames finished in first place. They got a division title because of how really good that he and their first line was. He had a fantastic season, and he's continuing it into the postseason. Of all three of these goaltenders, Markstrom is the only one that has continued his impressive play into the Stanley Cup playoffs. I don't want to take too much away from Soros because of that, because UC Soros has been injured. It's unfortunate for the Predators, and that's probably why they went out with a whimper to the Colorado Avalanche in four games. But Soros had a fantastic season nonetheless. Uh, his numbers, not nearly as impressive as either of the top two, I'm sure. There's going to be a gap in voting between Igor, Jacob, and UC. Uh, Soros finished with a 2.64 goals allowed average, which was tied for 14th. Uh, he had the 8th best save percentage at 918. He was also tied for 6th when it came to shutouts with four on the season, and fourth in goals saved above expected with 17.45, a huge gap between third and fourth place in goals saved above expected this year. So congratulations to all three. I would think that Igor Sesterkin will run away with this and get his first career Vezina Trophy, which might help the sting a little bit of the performance he's had in the NHL's postseason. Last thing I want to mention before we cut to break and come back and discuss all of the storylines for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Tonight is the NHL's draft lottery. I know a lot of people might not have understood or recognized that because realistically it has not been pushed very much. But tonight, 6.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN and Sportsnet, the NHL's 2022 draft lottery. 
Shane Wright is the prospected number one overall pick. Somebody who is believed to be probably the best number one pick. I mean, we hear this all the time, but, you know, up there with the Lafreniers of the world, up there, never, never are they going to, people are going to say that, oh, it's the Connor McDavid. Maybe next year with Connor Bedard is a Connor McDavid level prospect. But still, Shane Wright, nonetheless, is expected to come in and be a very, very integral player on whatever team ends up getting the opportunity to select him number one overall. And looking at the odds right now, the Montreal Canadiens have the best odds because they finished in last place with 18.5%. The other two teams with over a 10% chance to win the lottery tonight are the Arizona Coyotes with 13.5 and the Seattle Kraken with 11.5. If you go, the next six teams there are the Flyers, Devils, Blackhawks, Senators, Red Wings, Sabres, and Ducks, of course, rounding out the bottom 10 of the National Hockey League for the 2021-22 regular season. So those are the odds right now. Obviously, most people expect first, second, or third place to, to get that pick, which would be Montreal, Arizona, or Seattle. When I look at the best landing spots for Shane Wright, in my opinion, personally, because it, it is obviously a very opinionated question to ask, I would hate to see him go to a place where the same thing is going to happen that happened to Jack Eichel. Because we just finally ended that saga. Now Eichel still didn't make the Stanley Cup playoffs. Speaking of, the Vegas Golden Knights have a half of a percent chance of getting the first overall selection. Probably won't happen. But nonetheless, looking at this list, the Flyers messed up their number two overall pick a couple years ago in Nolan Patrick. The Devils would be very interesting. You know what? Honestly, that would probably be the best landing spot for him because he's playing immediately with guys like Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer. He he gets instilled into a talented young core that would just blow the world on fire next year. Because you also talk about, you know, Yanni Kuokinen took a step back, but he's still young and really good. Same with Igor Sharon Govich. But you have those guys plus a Dawson Mercer. They just need to figure out their goaltending. That would be very entertaining. I think... That would be probably my favorite result of tonight. Not as likely with the fifth best odds at 8.5%. Like I said, he's probably going to end up going to Montreal, Arizona, or Seattle. Of those three, I think I'd really love to see him go to Seattle. It would be so good for the Kraken, not only to get the second overall selection last year and end up with Matty Beneers, who came up and was really good late in the season immediately for them. But also, like this is a team that is doing it in a different way than the Vegas Golden Knights. They're doing it by taking their time instead of just selling the farm to try to get the fans in so early because they're so good so early. The Kraken were not good this year. The Kraken are probably not going to be that good next year. I mean, their goaltending can't be as bad. Philip Grubauer was horrific this year after being a Vezina finalist the year prior. So you think he's probably going to be better. Plus, they're going to get back a healthy Brandon Tanev, a healthy Jaden Schwartz. That'll help a lot. But getting Shane Wright would just be the cherry on top. You know, Shane Wright, Mad Buneers, that would be a fantastic young core to build the foundation of the 32nd NHL franchise on. So I want to see him go to the Devils or the Kraken. I think the Coyotes need him the most. Not going to lie. They really need a home run in the first round this year. And that would, I really think Shane Wright's going to be very good next year. 
again, maybe not as good as Connor Bedard coming out, but the year following, but man, do the Arizona Coyotes just need that selection. I'm going to take a quick break, but when I return, let's talk a little bit NHL playoffs. There's been so much happening over the weekend since we last talked on the Hockey Hotbed, and we'll break it all down right after the break. What's going on, hockey fans? The pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter the outcome. Whether they win or lose, you're a winner. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings' same-game parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Make sure to use promo code THPN and bet just $5 on any NHL team to win to get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THBN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and even better opportunities. The NHL playoffs are just rolling right along, aren't they? It's been really entertaining round one. Still seven series yet to be determined. Tonight's game five slate is all knotted up two to two in all four series, which is fantastic. Like tonight is going to be a great night of hockey and we'll get to that at the end of this segment. But let's start off with what happened last night. The biggest discrepancy in a game was the Pittsburgh Penguins absolutely routing the New York Rangers by a score of seven to two in game number four of that series to take a commanding three to one series lead. I don't know what's going on with Igor Shosturkin. I said on a podcast yesterday and on a show yesterday that I really expected Igor Shosturkin to come out on Monday night, come out in game four after being yanked out in one period in game three and just be a dominant Vesna caliber guy because that's who he is. But it seems like, I don't know if he's rattled. He's not getting much help. Let's start there. He's not getting much help from the Rangers. Offensively, they were inept on Monday night. Defensively, they weren't helping out either. There was a lot of deflections. There was a lot of traffic in front. And and props to the Penguins, they had the no to go there. But they weren't met with very much resistance by the New York Rangers defense, who have sorely been missing Ryan Lindgren since, I believe, it was game one of the series. So... Shesterkin, obviously, Gallant came out and said he's going to be starting game five, which makes all the sense in the world because you you ride the guy that got you to the dance. But I just don't, I, I don't, I don't think I would have ever imagined 
him to be pulled in back-to-back games in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I certainly not would not have imagined that in a series where the Pittsburgh Penguins are down to their third-string goaltender in Louis Domingue, and, and especially the way that this regular season series goes, I, I know that doesn't count for much when it comes to the postseason, but I would not have thought the Penguins would be up 3-1 to one heading into Game 5 at Madison Square Garden. But nonetheless, on, on the Penguins' side of things, their defense looked really solid. They only gave up two high-danger chances to the Rangers in the entire game, and one of them was on the power play in the first period. So if you think about that, in the last 40 minutes of the game, the Rangers had one high-danger opportunity on Louis Domingue. They were kept to the outside of their offensive zone, forced to take shots from the point, forced to take shots from outside the dots, and Domingue was able to swallow them up, and he made the saves he needed to, but the Penguins' defense was excellent in Game 5. And then speaking of excellent, I mean, Sidney Crosby, nine points in four games for the Stanley Cup playoffs. That means he has reached the 200-point plateau in his playoff career, which is one behind Yarmir Yager for fifth all-time in the National Hockey League. He basically has said, I mean, he hasn't said this, but with his play, he has basically said, listen, I'm not going out this year without a fight. I'm going to will this Penguins team back to a fourth Stanley Cup championship in my career. And it looks like that's something that he is capable of doing right now. Certainly with the way he's playing against the New York Rangers. We'll have to see what happens whenever a team with a little bit of a better defense gets out there. But as of right now, he's cooking the Rangers. And the entire Penguins team has been cooking Igor Shosturkin. In the other Eastern Conference matchup last night, the Florida Panthers picked up a massive win over the Washington Capitals in D.C. 3-2 win in overtime. Carter Verhage with the snipe to finish off the night past Ilya Samsonov. If the Panthers did not win this game, it would have been over. Like, I understand they're going back to Sunrise, Florida, but that's not that great of a home ice advantage. The Washington Capitals already took a game down there, plus they'd be taking in a 3-1 to series lead against a team that, listen, to me, I said the Panthers were going to sweep the Capitals. I know I was very, very wrong in that sentiment. But the big thing has been Ilya Samsonov, for one, and just the Capitals as a whole for two defensively because the Panthers came into this series only losing, I believe, a handful of games in the last two months of the season. They were far and away the most offensively inclined team in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and they have been shut down by the Washington Capitals. Now, you understand that the playoffs, there's not going to be as much scoring, although we've seen it in every other series, so I don't know why it wouldn't happen in this one, but the Florida Panthers have just not been able to score against Ilya Samsonov and the Washington Capitals. I understand Vanacek started in the first two games, but the Caps basically had to outscore the Panthers in those ones. With the games in Washington, the Panthers scored a grand total of four goals in those two games, including a 6-1 drubbing by the Washington Capitals. So, I mean, the series is tied at two going back for a game five in Florida, but if they would have lost that game last night, It might have been night-night for the President's Trophy winners. Moving over to the Western Conference, the Flames take down the Stars by a score of 4-1 to to even up that series at 2-2. I think this is an underrated series because everybody's looking at it and saying, oh, 
Such a boring series. Oh, the Dallas Stars play such a boring style of hockey. And the, the Flames to boot, they have Daryl Sutter. They have the best first line in hockey, but they haven't done much. Well, they have. We also talked about the fact that Jacob Markstrom just got nominated for a Vezina. So while, yes, this is the lowest scoring series in the playoffs, by no means has it been a bad series. Each goaltender has picked up a shutout so far. The series is tied at two, heading back to Calgary for a big game five. And while there hasn't been a lot of scoring, while it's been a very low event hockey, if you like defensive hockey, which mainly only the like most purest of the pure hockey fans enjoy, then this is the perfect series. It's entertaining. It's a very closely matched series. And you're going to get great goaltending play on either side and great defensive play as well. And there is some offensively inclined players on the ice there. I mean, that entire first line for the Calgary Flames led first, second, and third in the NHL in plus minus this year. Again, not a great stat unless they're to that extent. They're a very talented unit. Look at the stars. Joe Pavelski went off in game three. He's talented. You got Sagan, Ben, Rupe, Hintz, Radulov in there. Haskinen, this is, a good, this is a good series. And like I said, it's highlighted by fantastic goalie play. Jake Ottinger has a 1.53 goals allowed average and a 960 save percentage in this series. On the other side of things, the Vezina finalist, Jacob Markstrom. 1.27 goals allowed average, and a 9.52 save percentage. So these guys have been absolutely fantastic. This series has been really good, and I, I do suggest you tune in because it's going to get even better as games 5, 6, and potentially 7 roll around. I understand it's not the most high-event hockey like some of these other series have been, like Penguins-Rangers, like Toronto-Tampa, but it's so closely matched, which is something we haven't seen across the board, that it's going to be very entertaining down to the wire. The last series from last night to end, actually, the only one to end, the first series to come to a close, the Colorado Avalanche eliminate the Nashville Predators, completing the four-game sweep, the only team to get a sweep in the first round. That sends the Avs to the second round of the playoffs for the fourth straight season the last three haven't been so lucky. They've lost in all three of those series. But the Avalanche now currently await the winner of a series that goes back tonight between the Blues and the Wild. It's going to be a great series no matter what. But the Avs have a little bit of time off to hopefully get back to health and potentially get through the second round for the first time in this four-year stretch that they've made the playoffs. So with that, let's move over. Actually, before we do that, I don't know if anybody watched that game last night between the Preds and the Avs. To me, it was a foregone conclusion that the Av Avalanche were going to win that and the series was going to be over. But the one thing I did uh, did see, Andre Burakovsky not only scoring a beautiful top shelf goal with a beautiful shot, but it was so hard, in fact, that he put it right through the net. We've seen it on a couple of occasions, but... A wrist shot from Burakovsky goes right through the back of the net. Usually we see it on a, like a slap shot, like a Chara slap shot or, or a Pronger slap shot or something like that. Nope. Burakovsky, absolute snipe, top shelf through the net. They kept playing because they're like, uh, did that go in? We don't even know. 
So uh, I, I just wanted to give a shout out to Andre Burakovsky for an absolutely beautiful snipe shot that was apparently hard enough to break through the net. Impressive action, impressive. Uh, tonight's action, we won't get too deep into any of these. We'll talk more about these series on Friday's episode, but two of them, it's their blowout series. Not when it comes to the actual series total in wins, but every game has really been a blowout on either side of things for both series, starting with Tampa-Toronto. Obviously, the Tampa Bay Lightning going for that third straight Stanley Cup in games two and games four, they have shown that they are just as good as they were the previous two years and gotten those two wins. But weirdly enough, in games one and three, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs were able to do the same exact thing to Tampa Bay. So what happens in game five tonight? Personally, this doesn't feel good for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It really doesn't. Even if they win tonight in Toronto, their fans will be excited. Their fans will be elated. They'll have a 3-2 to two series lead going into Game 6 back at Amelie Arena. However, a lot has been made this postseason even about the way Andre Vasilevsky and the Lightning have played following a loss the last three years. They, have barely, they haven't really lost. They really haven't. They have been dominant. Like greatest hockey team ever. Like 1980 Soviet Union hockey. After a loss. That's what the Lightning have been. So even if Toronto goes out and wins this game five tonight. Which is very much a possibility. They've blown out the Lightning in two games already this, this series. And one of them was in Toronto. So they could possibly go out of tonight with a 3-2 to two series lead. I'm still very uneasy about the Maple Leafs. Because are you betting on the Lightning to lose back-to-back games? I'm not, considering that resume that they've had over the last two postseasons, including games two and games four of this series. I'm not betting against the Lightning in game six, even if they lose in game five tonight. Which would then force, obviously, a game seven in Toronto, which, (laughs) again... Not too confident in Toronto's ability mentally to get over that hurdle. This is a series that started with a 5-0 win by the Maple Leafs on home ice. And now we're at Game 5, series tied at 2. And I'm telling you, even if the Toronto Maple Leafs win tonight, I have very little confidence that they will knock out the back-to-back Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. The other series that has been similar to that The Edmonton Oilers taking on the LA Kings. I had the Oilers in six. I am more confident in that than I am in the Maple Leafs in seven prediction I have for the series I just finished talking about. Jonathan Quick has turned back time. He really has. And that is the reason that the Kings have won the two games that they have. Is because Jonathan Quick has been that good. And the LA Kings defense for large periods of time, have been able to stifle Connor McDavid. But that's not going to last. We saw what happened in Game 3. The Kings had tried to shut down Connor McDavid to the best of their ability. Game 3, he got loose and so did Dreisaitl. And they absolutely embarrassed the Kings in Game 3 to take the 2-1 series lead. The Kings bounced back defensively, shut down Connor McDavid, probably the most neutralized that we have seen Connor McDavid all season long in Game 4. Do you really think they're going to be able to do it again? You know, it'd be nice. I would come on this podcast like I do every other time I get something wrong and say, man, they shoved it up my hoop. But I 
don't think they're going to be able to shut him down again the way that they did on Sunday in that game four where, listen, Jonathan Quick was fantastic. Todd McClellan had a masterclass of goaltending management there, going back to Quick after what happened to him in game number three. Because Cal Peterson is good. Cal Peterson, going to him was a very real possibility and a a very real discussion. But he stuck with Jonathan Quick and, and he came out after the game and said, listen, in that situation, you go with the guy that's been there. It was not a it was not a difficult decision for me. Well, it paid off, and he looked like a genius in Game Four. Let's see how it goes in Game Five, because when it comes to which goaltender I trust more, it is Jonathan Quick. When it comes to which team I trust more, slightly the Oilers. So the biggest advantage is the goaltending, in my opinion, because you know can Mike Smith get his crap together long enough for McDavid and Dreisaitl to get the W? We'll have to see, but. In game number four, they didn't get their crap together. So who knows what's going to happen in that series. Very interesting. I am confident in my Oilers and six pick. They're playing at home tonight. McDavid was shut down so badly on Sunday that he's going to have something to say. And if they go up three to two, I find it very difficult that they're not going to advance for the first time since the 2016-17 season. Two more series on the docket. I already talked briefly, very briefly, about the Minnesota versus St. Louis series. The Blues, after going down 2-1 to one on home ice, they went to the Stanley Cup champion in Jordan Bennington. And Bennington rewarded them with a fantastic performance, shutting down the Minnesota Wild in Game 4. So we're at 2-2 two to two in that series right now. Who knows how this is going to go. Last night, Game 4, the Penguins-Rangers, I was the most uncertain I had ever been about how a hockey game was going to look. I'm right alongside that. Not as uncertain. I do think that the Minnesota Wild are going to have the edge tonight. I do think they're going to solve Bennington. I do think that being at home at XL Energy Center is a massive boost for Minnesota. More so than I think potentially any other team in the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. So I would put my money on Minnesota. But I mean, if Jordan Bennington can take what he did in game four and build off of it, it's going to be a very, very interesting game. Not only that, David Perron, it's basically been, if David Perron is good, so too are the St. Louis Blues. So will Minnesota be able to hold Perron in check, and will they be able to beat Bennington? Those are the two biggest questions facing the Wild. Heading into tonight's Game 5, all of these Game 5s tonight are very pivotal. The least of which, probably Tampa-Toronto, I already talked about that. But this one is so massive, because... Home ice advantage between these two teams have been so important. And this series has just been so close. There have been blowouts. But the it's been a tightly contested matchup. Like, even when there's blowouts, it's the fact that one team just got up and then just held it. It hasn't been complete and utter dominance in any of these games, in my opinion. So tonight will be a real interesting one. That's probably the second most interesting game on the docket tonight. The most interesting series of this little bunch here that they've set up, Boston and Carolina has gotten to be ridiculous. Boston on Sunday was without Hampus Lindholm, their second best defenseman, due to a hit that he he suffered in game two. They were without Charlie McAvoy due to COVID protocol, which is starting to creep its way back in. Don't like to see that at all. But Hampus Lindholm and Charlie McAvoy out. Allmark had been benched in Game 3. Jeremy Swayman was in, and that's everything that Boston needed. With that, 
They went out and won both games at TD Garden. I told you on Friday, you know, for everything that I will say that I was wrong when I say something wrong, this is an I told you so moment. Because on Friday, on the hockey hotbed, I said, listen, which team needed the change of scenery most? Boston. Because they get back to TD Garden and you don't know what you're going to get if you're the Carolina Hurricanes. Because the Boston Bruins, you know they're going to be good. And you don't know if you're Carolina, if you're going to get a win, if you're going to be able to get even close in these games. And they were not. The Boston Bruins went back to the Boston Bruins I expected them to be, which is why I picked them in seven games. The series is tied at two. The Bruins have all the momentum as the series shifts back to Raleigh. Now, I'm a little tentative because it's a best of three now. But two of the three games are in Raleigh, and the Bruins looked awful in games one and two. They looked absolutely putrid. But then again, in game three and four at TD Garden, it it shifted, and all the momentum is on their side. Brad Marchand is coming off of a five-point game. And the Hurricanes, despite being really good at home, just don't have the momentum. And this Boston team, I understand, I always said, it's not a series. Series doesn't begin until a team loses at home. Game five is massive tonight. Because if the Bruins win on the road in game five, it's going to be very difficult for the Canes to go back into Boston, go back into TD Garden, and stave off elimination. Could you imagine starting 2-0, On a season where you won the division title. And all of a sudden you lose four straight to the Boston Bruins. Now, it's not that bad because the Boston Bruins, I've said, once they get into the playoffs, they're just Boston. There's no seeding, as my counterpart on the tip of the iceberg, Nick Horak, likes to say. You don't give the Bruins a seed once they make the playoffs. They are just the freaking Bruins. And they have showed that tenfold. In the past two games. Will that continue tonight? I don't know. Boston will continue to be without Charlie McAvoy. Who's still in the COVID protocol. They could be getting Hampus Lindholm back. Which will severely help their chances. But nonetheless. That is the game. That I will be. You know what? I'll be glued to all of these games tonight. Game fives. All of these series have been fantastic. There have been blowouts like I said. In Tampa, Toronto, Edmonton, Los Angeles. But all of these series have been fantastic. This has been the better of the two halves of the days of Stanley Cup playoffs. Which is good for me because I cover the Penguins for a separate site. And it helps to it helps to only have to focus on that game and then re-watch highlights of everything else. And by everything else, I basically mean the Capitals series because they're at the same time. But nonetheless, if I had to pick all of the games tonight, I think Toronto will win tonight, but I'm still not confident in them, even if they do that. So I go Toronto, Edmonton, Minnesota, and Boston. Three home teams, one road team, or three home teams winning, one road team pulling off the upset, and that's the Boston Bruins. It's going to be a fun night of Stanley Cup hockey. It's going to be a fun night and a fun week of Stanley Cup Playoffs Hockey. We'll be back on Friday to discuss a little bit more of the Stanley Cup Playoffs and all of the other stuff that happens. You know, 
the outcome of the draft lottery where Shane Wright might be headed to after tonight. We'll see all of that on Friday's episode of the Hockey Hotbed. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys on Friday. Have a great week, hockey fans. 